You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 143rd program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change since 1997. I'm Jennifer Burrell, your host today. Jacques isn't here, but I am interviewing Mark Zernsack from the Tax Justice Network Australia about the federal budget which has just been handed down. We last had Mark Zernsack on the program in September 2020 when we talked about the federal government's proposal, then proposal, of new tax breaks for the wealthy, which unfortunately was passed, albeit with some offsets for low and middle income earners in the short term, some temporary sweeteners. Welcome back to the program, Mark. Thank you for having me on. Real pleasure. Last time we spoke, Mark, you talked about the inequality of our tax system, some serious ongoing inequities with new tax breaks for the wealthy set to increase inequality well into the future. You also talked about how tax breaks for the wealthy leave less revenue to support the population and stimulate the economy through things like building social housing, raising Centrelink payments to a level that people can live on and investing in clean energy. So what can you tell us about taxation in the new federal budget that has just been released? Particularly, Mark, is there there more fairness or less fairness in this budget or is it still focused on generous tax breaks for the wealthy? Look, this this particular budget hasn't really made any uh, significant changes to the overall tax arrangements that exist and the the inequality that we talked about last time continues to be locked in. So what that means, it's it's they're labelled as the stage three tax cuts and largely they benefit the wealthy. So they will cost, the cost to the budget will be $7 billion a year mm. and over half of that will go to the top 10% of, of people who get paid the most mm-hmm. every year, uh, while those earning less than $45,000 a year will get nothing um, mm-hmm. in this next round of, of tax giveaways. Uh, and that's the bottom 20% of, of income earners will get nothing out of the, the tax cuts that are coming. Mm-hmm. And that means people uh, such as an average delivery driver, an aged care worker, a disability worker, a barista, a cleaner, a checkout operator will get nothing in this next round of tax cuts that are coming through. Those on mm-hmm. earning $200,000 a year effectively get a handout of over $9,000 um, with the tax cuts that are coming through. And men will get twice the benefit of women based on the way the occupations and the current spread of, of the way um, income works across our country. 
there were a couple mm. of there were only a couple of small positive things from a sort of tax point of view. There was the government did quietly scrap. Uh, there was a capital expenditure deduction that was available to corporations with revenue over five billion dollars, uh, and that had a cost attached to it of twenty seven billion, and that was uh, scrapped in this this year's budget. The other positive in this space was the Australian Taxation Office will get an extra $650 million to go after wealthy tax cheats and mm. those using trusts and secrecy jurisdictions to evade or avoid paying tax. Mm. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, so it's interesting, Mark, you talk about um, redirection um, of our, of revenue toward through these tax breaks towards men rather than women. I haven't heard that gender breakdown. I mean, I, mean, I think... What's more clear is that our revenue, which is an expenditure, tax break is like money that we're foregoing, um, to have it channelling, further channelling up to the wealthy, that's clearer. But I, but I think it's really interesting uh, what you've found about it being channelled. It's really anti-women, isn't it? Entrenching, sort of further entrenching women's poverty um, or financial in- inequality, which is what we're meant to be doing something about these days. Yeah, absolutely. This is absolutely uh, this. This budget is not doing anything really to address that issue of the the gender gap in inequality. Mm. So, uh, and I guess the other point that I noticed from this new federal budget is their offset for low and income earners. There was a bit of an offset um, being given to. Um, I think it was about $1,080. They call it a Lamito or Lamington. So um, from what I understand, a one-off, uh, there's a one-off payment of $420 payment for workers already getting the low and middle income tax offset, Lamito, worth up to, up to 1080 And those getting um, the maximum 1080 um uh, they'll be getting a $420 payment, which will reach $1,500 for the financial year 2022 to 2023. But um, that offset, that Lamito offset, is not being extended after that. For the, for example, for 2023 to 24, so 10 million Australians getting this will then have 1,500 less. So I guess what I'm saying, there seem to be these short-term sweeteners um, to soften the blow of setting in this really long-term taxation inequality into the future. Is it, do you think they are fair comments, Mark? Look, well, that, is, that is an accurate uh, description. Uh, look, what, we, what we've obviously had is the, the federal government, uh, the way they've talked about it is they're saying, well, there's an immediate cost of living pressure um, I think a lot of people are connecting that to the current war in Ukraine and mm. therefore the government's uh, saying they're responding to that. Um, I'm, I'm, I think the more cynical would, would say, well, it's also in the lead up to a federal election being probably only a couple of months away or less than a couple of months away. So mm. the government's trying to do some short-term sweeteners to those who are on lower incomes Mm. Um, and and the way they're doing this is uh, simply topping up what was already in place, which is this low and middle income tax offset. It was due to expire this year, um, and effectively, well, this this coming year, 
and effectively they're, they're not changing that. So it'll be a one-off. They've topped it up $420, as you said. So the maximum someone might get is $1,500. Now, again, you already have to pay tax in order to benefit from this, mm. and uh, it does tend to benefit those more on middle incomes. Those at the bottom end of the scale will get less than the $1,500. They'll, they'll get close to the $420, um, and it cuts off at uh, $126,000. Um, so mm. once you're above, once you're at one hundred twenty-six thousand mm. dollars, you won't get anything um, mm. in this in this space. So mm. that's kind of what it is. But as you rightly point out, it's a one-off payment, as versus the major tax giveaway that that uh, is going to be locked in, giving away seven billion dollars a year, mm. um, which will largely flow to to wealthy the wealthy mm. end of the spectrum, people who really mm. don't need it. Well, th- yeah. Thanks for explaining all of that, Mark. And what about expenditure in the budget is there anything substantial for people on low incomes and people who are struggling uh, with the cost of living look there is the um as we talked about there is the tax offset um that we've already discussed in addition mm-hmm. to that there is two uh 250 one-off payment for pensioners and people on social security payments so that's mm-hmm. you know the equivalent of roughly five dollars um a week um, extra, which I don't think is people are going to see is going very far in that sense, and and by comparison to actually the need to really be topping up uh, job seeker payments or those social security payments for those um, mm. at the bottom end of well, the scale who who really need them. Well, I think ACOS um, figure is um, from their research and what they've been lob- um, campaigning for is $69 a day, more a day is needed to cover the basic cost of living, which is $483 a week. So I looked at that 250 one-off payment and I thought, well, people on these job seeker youth allowance payments like that, they need almost, uh, they need twice that roughly every week. <laughs> so the $250 of this isn't going to go on very far for people living in such dire poverty. That, hmm. No, indeed. Look, I think the, the other couple of bright spots, I guess, in, in the budget that do relate to this area, um, there is $1.3 billion over six years for addressing violence against women and children. And, you know, Ooh. that should be seen as welcome expenditure. And uh, mm-hmm. certainly the, it's... it's uh, Still a long way from what's needed, but mm. uh, what we've seen over the longer term is is spending in this area has increased mm. over time, which is good and needs yeah. to continue in that direction. There was also quite a bit of spending on uh, mental health services, mm-hmm. which again is very welcome. So there was uh, a bit over two hundred million for over three years for services for young Australians with severe mental illness. There was about five hundred and fifty million over five years for mental health services in rural and remote communities, and there's just short of $65 million over five years to set up a 10-year mental health workforce strategy. And, you know, that's important to make sure we've actually got a workforce working in the mental health system. So, again, there's steps forward, but if you think about it and you look, for example, compared to the Victorian government state budget, um, those expenditures are probably, you know, are less than what we saw the Victorian government ramping up their mental health spending on and and you know the commonwealth government is covering the whole of australia so you would hope in in those areas such as mental health and such as violence against women and children that we would see much bigger expenditures but certainly look you would have to say in recent years um overall they have been areas of attention and they have been areas that have been increasingly getting some funding um 
and that trend needs to continue and, and something the community needs to keep putting pressure on for. Yeah, and a, a good thing to see was also the 16,500 uh, funding to cover 16,500 refugee visas for Afghan nationals. So I haven't looked at it too closely. I'm hoping that's not um, included in figure. That's an additional figure for refugee places and not already folded into existing places. But um, that, That's correct. It is additional. So the 16,500 yeah. Afghan refugees... Um, will be additional to the cap of thirteen thousand seven hundred and fifty um, that will apply yeah. annually. So yeah. it's it's a small step forward, but we've got to remember we've come down from what used to be eighteen thousand seven hundred and fifty. So this government had slashed mm. the refugee intake. Um, that was even prior to the pandemic, um, and they've continued to have that locked in. Um, we really do need to see it climb back up again. Um, you know, and certainly at the last election, Labor did have a commitment towards 27,000 places and it would be good to see if they are willing to uh, agree to do that again. Mm. Yeah, and I guess the other thing I noticed, Mark, in the budget, uh, we saw that the government had set up a lot of different vaguely articulated funds that were pretty vague and can obviously be dipped into for what I would call bribes in key electorates or or marginal electorates up, right up to the election. For example, re, there's a region, regional accelerator program, the Safer Communities Fund, Stronger Communities Program. And, and I guess uh, the big question is about, for me, is about budget decisions, is when do these budget calculations by the government become corrupt in that they deliberately break some of the principles of equity, justice and governing for all Australians and that's, this has been covered, the idea of pork barrelling and favouring certain electorates without going through due decision-making process. We've talked about this a lot in, um, I guess, our last program and other programs of Think Again. And I'm just wondering if you have any reflections on that. Look, we do need good governance. And, and one of the like long-term issues that I would be a particular concern to me is the declining trust in our democratic systems. And when governments set up funds that aren't transparent, that don't have proper governance and accountability over them, they, they are feeding into that growing cynicism about mm. does the democratic system actually work for people. Mm. I, I think we need to we need to trust that it does and what we need to be doing is pushing for our governments to be held to account and moving back and putting in place accountability and transparency mechanisms. So these mm. kind of – obviously this particular government does have form for having set up uh, – funding mechanisms, uh, you know, the sporting allocations, the car park allocations where obviously there are very strong allegations and evidence suggesting we had ministerial interference about how those grants were delivered. Now, I think it's completely reasonable for a government to set up a, a grant program if that's if that's what they wish to do. Uh, but I think once they've done that, they probably should put in place simply rules and a governance structure that decides impartially how that money gets gets. Mm -hmm. um, divvied out based on need or based on whatever the criteria being used is and, and the criteria shouldn't include what's going to be good of the government of the day in terms of winning votes or, or currying yeah. favour in particular electorates they need to win. And that, that creates that huge amount of cynicism uh, and lack of trust it's in government. So, so whoever's in office needs to make sure if they're, if they're going to have these, really what we need is, is good systems that would govern um, yeah. how these funds are allocated. Yeah, well, I, I, I'd certainly have to agree with that. Thanks for articulating that so well, Mark. I will now go to a music break with Fug by the String Con Contingent, 
uh, for us all to, for all of us experiencing brain fog with all of this budget talk.
Mohammed El Halabi has been held in an Israeli prison for almost six years, with still no verdict on the charges of diverting millions of dollars of World Vision and Australian aid money to terrorism, despite both the Australian government and World Vision finding no evidence of misused funds. For Palestinians, the Israeli justice system means closed courts, secret evidence, torture, and long delays. Join Amnesty, the Australian-Palestine Advocacy Network, and Free Palestine Melbourne in a vigil to mark Mohammed's birthday and call for his release. The vigil will be held at 2 p.m. on Saturday, the 2nd of April at Federation Square. Stand up for justice for Mohammed El Halabi and for Palestine. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today I'm talking with Mark Zernsack from the Tax Justice Network Australia. Mark's helping us unpick the federal budget which has just been released, especially in relation to tax and equity. So quite a few economists have been saying we can't afford hefty tax breaks with our current deficit, especially while at the same time making spending splashes to win votes, even if these splashes are short term. John Hewson, who was former Liberal opposition leader and, and is now professor at Australian National University, he warned about this in the Saturday paper last Saturday before the budget came out. He said, quote, wanting to spend and cut taxes under the cloak of being a responsible economic manager and a fiscal conservative is nonsense. So now that, that the federal budget has come out, Mark, what are your thoughts? Does a budget stack up economically? Well, look, I think this budget, I think, unfortunately, uh, probably well doesn't stack up in terms of creating a particular long-term vision uh, as such. I think, though, from my personal point of view, uh, it's certainly, you know, we could look at much worse budgets like the 2014 budget, which was very harsh um, and and really did, you know, this is a largely steady as it goes, but and I think, therefore, it's disappointing people who are looking for reforms, whichever direction they might be interested in. I think with your intro, though, I'd probably... Um, be well. I've got a lot of respect for John Newson. I, I probably would disagree with him about the way we need to be thinking about our budgets. You know, government, the federal government has the ability to create currency, and effectively, we need currency in the economy. So, a government doesn't need to be managing a government that can issue currency doesn't need to manage its budget like it's a household budget. What it mm -hmm. needs to be looking at is how much currency do we need in our economic system and what purpose is it going to be used and will it? how does it create a better society, how does it set us up uh, mm. for the long run and the issue is how do you then manage inflation because obviously if the government puts too much currency into the economy then you end up with inflation. Uh, on the flip side, if it takes too much out then you deprive uh, the ability of the economy to actually function and have that currency available for all sorts of positive investments. So it's a question of tighter management and not simply looking, you know, creating confusion for voters by sort of suggesting somehow the government should run a budget like it's a household budget. What we nearly really need to be thinking about is what's the long-term management and we shouldn't be afraid of government sometimes spending more than they're taking out of the economy mm -hmm. uh, and other times they might be putting more back in in terms of what they're spending 
um, or you know, or they might need to take more out at, at some time. So the management of a of a government budget is of a budget of a government budget where the government can issue currency is different to a household budget. Yeah. Okay. So I guess you're making an argument against John Hewson's type of stance that we have to really be tightening our spending. Uh, which he's attacking Scott Morrison on from a conservative point of view. Indeed. Look, it's, it's playing into probably a conservative view of economics where, you know, there's a range of economic thinking now that, that um, you know, we challenge that. And I, I think, you know, people can look at, for example, there was this development that's got the nickname of donut economics, but basically mm. it sort of says government should be looking to spend to meet human need while staying yeah. within environmental boundaries and but our economic system for example should be looking at distribution by design and mm-hmm. largely should be um growth uh impartial to growth so mm-hmm. growth shouldn't be an end in itself growth should be to the service of is it meeting human need and are we sticking within the environmental limits that we have placed on us by the planet in which we live so you know, we're having a challenge to the to the classical neoliberal economic thinking with this range of new economic thought, and we should be open to that and, and be willing to embrace some of that and see, you know, where we can make the economy work better for people and the planet rather than us being slaves to profit and growth. Oh, I'm so glad you said that, Mark. We actually had an early program about donut economics and making that exact argument. So I'm really um, pleased to hear you that articulating it so well and so succinctly. We're coming uh, to the end of the program so quickly, I can't believe it. Uh, but, Mark, is there anything that uh, that we can do and listeners can do to really address some of the issues that you've raised about tax inequity and, and inequity in the budget, I guess? Yeah, I think uh, I think the uh, the biggest opportunity people will have will be in in you know less than a couple of months' time where they will get to vote, and I think uh, you know I'd, I'd be encouraging listeners to choose wisely, to weigh up what's important to them, what kind of values, because at the end of the day, budgets are really value statements. It's about yeah. you know what do we value as a society, where do we think money should go, and and you know when we're looking at a government, uh, what values do they hold, and um, you know, what do we really want to see them doing? So I think that opportunity to vote is the biggest thing that listeners can be doing and to, to use it wisely and to think about really what they want for, for our future. Mm, thank you, Mark. And it's been wonderful having you on the program and you've really helped us unpick, I think, and understand the federal budget better. And I, that was very wise advice you just gave as well, because I think a lot of people, especially leading up to the federal election, have a bit more power than what they think they have. And politicians are definitely super alert to what the concerns of the electorate are at the moment. Thank you for having me on the program. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to, uh, to be able to have this conversation with you. Accented women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accented women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the How the can country. people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are, two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accented women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. On Community Radio 3CR.
thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio today. If you want to contact us, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Thanks also to Clive Bourne for recording, production and music selection. Our programs are available by podcast and on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to our sisters and brothers in prison. To bring us into this program, we have Milku Mana by King Stingray. Man, I got no reason to rise. I never lose touch. What kind of man do you think?